Welcome to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Arlo Gilbert. He's thinking about health and the future of robotics. This is Technotopia. So welcome back to Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. And today on the show, we have Arlo Gilbert. He's the CEO of Televero. He's a uh, he's life science angels, uh, Orangeberry Corporation, and he studied at the University of Texas at Austin. He is thinking about life sciences. He is thinking about uh, investment, and he is thinking about essentially telecommunications. So you're, a, you're sort of a, a triple threat, I guess, right? I, I guess that, that that or either ADD or a triple threat. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> Actually, you got you to show me how to do that, how to do multiple things without people yelling at you because uh, I get yelled at a lot that I should, uh, I should focus on one thing, but I can't really. <laughs> There's too much cool stuff going on. All right. So tell us a little about what you're specifically doing, uh, Televero, et cetera. Yeah. So right now I'm the CEO of a company called Televero Health. And Televero Health is uh, – we do remote patient monitoring – uh, but what we do that's really cool and different out in that space is we're doing machine learning. So, so we figure out how to talk to people, which is essentially the same kind of thing that marketers and advertisers have been doing for a really long time, um, except we're applying that to healthcare. So if a patient goes into a hospital and has a procedure done, when they go home, they'll go home with our application on, on their smartphone, and we have to figure out how to motivate them to do things like take their medicine or call their doctor or do whatever it is that their care team has asked them to do. Um, and we use machine learning to create a conversation that is best suited to get that person to do the thing we need them to do. So it's like Slack for healthcare, like they did the computer chats with you? Yeah, yeah. So in a sense, I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's a little early, so it's not quite that complex. Um, it's, it's not a two-way conversation. It's more like you get a push notification on your phone asking you to take your blood pressure or to take your medicine. Um, but that push notification is very different depending upon whether you're a 75-year-old grandmother or a 40-year-old military veteran um, and depending upon how we've classified your learning and motivational style. Um, so the, the challenge that healthcare has is that people don't take very good care of themselves. They take better care of other people than they do themselves. And so asking somebody to do something that's, that's there for their own good is often met with a lot of resistance. Huh. So if we can increase those engagement rates by a small single-digit percentage point, we've oftentimes doubled um, the, the level of compliance. So in terms of that's an interesting point. So so humans don't, don't tend to take care of themselves, but they want to take care of other people. Why do you think that is? I I you know it's a it's a really good question. I, I think about it, and I I think you know I'm the same way. Um, I care a lot about my children. I care a lot about my wife, and I always tend to put myself second to all the things I'm doing. So I'm the first one to, you know, I'll be up till two in the morning pushing the boundaries of what's, what's safe for the amount of sleep you can have and still drive. Sure. Um, and, and I think it's just because 
mentally we're, we're visual we're visual creatures and we see the people around us and we care about the things we see and we don't see ourselves. Hmm, interesting. So we don't see ourselves. We don't So what what is it about the a robot like that that would help us down the line? Would it would it would it be sort of like our little uh mirror that would do it uh, remind us that we should probably like eat something? <laughs> well, hope, hopefully all it's doing is reminding us and not holding us down and making us eat like <laughs> our mothers used to do, right? You you're going to eat this soup or else you're not going to you're not going to Billy's house. Um you know, I don't know what what the ro- the robots are an interesting question, right? Cuz you've got like uh you know, we've got Google doing all that Boston Dynamics stuff and, and well, I guess they're not doing that anymore. Not anymore, no. They divested of, them, of themselves of that. Um but I, yeah, I was listening to a, uh, a futurist give a speech uh, on just a couple of days ago in San Francisco for the Digital Health um, SF and Neurotech SF, and uh, and his belief is that we're going to have Rosie the robot from the Jetsons okay. um, within ten years. That 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 robot that's in our house that's engaging with us and helping our kids to remember to eat their you know, take their vitamins and helping us to remember to, to iron our pants, that that will exist and that'll, that'll be here soon. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if you look at time magazine and life magazine back in the fifties, you know, you, you remember the pictures, they have like flying cars yep. and then they've got like pictures of, of, of guys wearing fedoras, smoking pipes in their flying cars <laughs> and women wearing poodle dresses and ironing with their robots. Right. So it's like, we can't imagine the parts that we can't imagine. So we, so we, we were never able to imagine that there was going to be no smoking signs in airplanes, but we could imagine a f- flying car. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> crazy. So, so I think I think it's interesting to to think about that in terms of like the Rosie the robot helping you with healthcare and helping you with with um, helping you with taking care of yourself and your family taking care of themselves and imagining where does that where are we wrong in that vision? Right? Is is it really Rosie the robot or is it that? The vitamins are different. The, the vitamins sure. themselves are now something that we don't actually take. It's something we inhale through our air conditioning vents, or you know. I mean, I think that's interesting. the The point about the robust uh, dynamics is actually really important because what you're saying is that there's going to be a robot that's going to help us help us survive. That's going to take care of us. What Google is essentially betting on, and what's in in, in the near term, they're assuming that all those robots that Boston Dynamics is making, those are all going to be military robots. And the one thing that I suspect Google doesn't want is for is for a bunch of droids to parachute into, I don't know, Afghanistan with Google Android inside on the back, and uh, and that's and that they start marching through the cities. That's that's that that seems I, I hadn't even thought about that before. But to be associated with that sort of robot is what they don't want. What they do want to be associated with, they want to be associated with the helper robot or a, or a happy car robot, for example, right? Yeah. I mean, look. I, I think I think that humans have proven that um, you know repeatedly that we can take amazing technology, and then we have the choice about whether we do amazingly awesome things with it, or whether we choose to you know become a bigger, scarier place. And, and nuclear energy is a great example. I mean, nuclear energy, if used responsibly, could power our planet forever. Um, and we could have like cheap electricity that would provide, you know, safer environments for our children, cleaner water, all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but then, you know, you have, you always have the military that manages to find a way to, to get their fingers in it somehow. Sure. So, so I don't know. I, I guess I, I'd like to think I'm an optimist and, and since I don't have the ability to influence whether or not the military does anything, um, I'd like to think about all the cool stuff that can come out of it. I mean, I guess what does the, what does the world look like? This is our, this is our, basically our, our flat question. What does the world look like between in 10 years and in 20 years? Well, I, uh, I certainly hope that the, uh, the world is a better place. And, um, you know, the challenges we have as a species are, are going to largely come down to energy and population control, which all feeds into things like fresh water. And so um, I think there are some really, really smart people doing some amazing things to, uh, to improve the life of human beings and, and to try and save the planet. I'm not, I'm not a tree hugging environmentalist. I just, I'm pragmatist. You know, I, I need clean water to drink yep. so that I don't die. Um, <laughs> it's all pretty selfish. I'd like my kids to have clean water. So, so I think that in 10 years, um, I think that we're going to be making a lot of progress towards, um, having an environment that is, that is cleaner, um, because of cleaner energy. Um, and, in 20 years, I mean, God, I'm going to be old. You're going to be old too. Yeah, uh, 60. Oh God. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think this is supposed to be an optimistic one. We're supposed to we're supposed to live forever. Well, I guess you know, like my grandmother says, it's it's better than the alternative, right? Yeah. So if you get to 60, that's a good thing. Um, you know, so I think I think in 20 years we'll be we'll be looking at a a different world. I mean, uh, from a healthcare perspective, and the, and the things I spend a lot of time looking at. Um, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with CRISPR, sure, um, sure. CRISPR is the gene editing tool. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of diseases that just cease to exist. Um, and we're going to see, uh, uh, I mean, we're going to see things like Alzheimer's be solved in our, in our, in our young adult, adult lifetime. Um, so from a healthcare perspective, I feel very optimistic about the next 10 and 20 years. Um, I think that in, in 20 years, our children are going to be uh, the idea of a smartphone is going to be obsolete. There will be no such thing. It will be it will be some sort of contact lens or something that's you know communicating directly with the implant in our brain. Sure. I mean, this sounds so crazy when you say it out loud, but I mean, people are working on this. Well, I mean, it, I think I think the important thing is like I'm I'm wearing an Apple Watch right now. I have a I have a computer that that could pretty much display high resolution graphics, measure my heart rate and a few other things knows where I am at all times, could communicate with a with another bigger computer that's also inside my pocket. And if you said that to me, if you said that to us, uh, when we were, whatever, I was born in 75, I got my first computer in third grade, so that was probably when I was like eight, let's say 84, uh, 85. If you said to me back then that I would, wouldn't be using a keyboard size Atari 800 XL to play, to, to program, I don't know, little squares on the screen, and uh, and mess around, I would I would probably be I would probably laugh at you because that's what we saw, that's what we understand, and now all of a sudden we have all this amazing futuristic stuff. And we don't appreciate it. It's gonna be it's gonna be take another couple years for us to realize what we had in our pockets and what we have now, which is gonna be pretty amazing too. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think you know if you look at Dick Tracy and Star Trek and and, and somehow those guys managed to see the future. But uh, I, I don't know if you ever listened to the comedian uh, Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah, he's got a great <laughs> piece about you know sitting in a chair, flying through, flying through the sky with your internet, and being angry that the internet's not fast. Yeah, enough. exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're complaining about the I guess the wrong things. So yeah. so what is it that's uh, that gives you hope? So you have kids. What what is it that gives you hope about what's happening right now? Uh, that this isn't going to turn into a blasted hellscape of uh, of uh, fire and brimstone. Yeah, uh, you know, I've I've had a chance. I've been fortunate with some of the people I've met to 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 get outside of the business realm and and meet with some academics. Um, and there are some just amazingly brilliant people who are working tireless, tirelessly and selflessly to take technologies. Um, that I don't even fully understand and, and try and ch- make major world changes with them. Um, I got to participate in a, a group called the, uh, the National Science Foundation i And that is a group, uh, it's a government-sponsored program that helps academics, uh, PhD students, to, to learn how to commercialize their technology. Um, because there's a, academics are, are not usually the most business-minded people. Um, and you know, the things I got to see are were people just trying to solve all sorts of amazing problems. The group I was involved with, it was a, a, a chemical engineer who's using nanotechnology to bind cancer particles. Um, so that's the kind of thing I see that gives me hope uh, is, is just knowing that there are all these people out there who are working really hard to solve big problems. Um, and they aren't doing it for financial gain. They're doing it because they're excited by technology. Um, and then, you know, having children, I think, gives you hope. Uh, okay. I guess maybe it depends on your children, but uh, yeah, <laughs> my minor, children Mine are <laughs> acceptable, I guess, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. So the So in terms of... I guess what you're saying is that we're we even as technologists and guys who look at this all day long, some of the stuff that's happening right now we don't barely even understand at this point. Yeah, I mean it's 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 mind blowing the the kinds of things that are going on like this uh, the deep the deep learning um, that's happening. You know that this is this is this new evolution in machine learning and, and artificial intelligence where nobody really understands how it works, even the people that wrote it. You know, it's like they kind of they've created this this deep learning, deep mind product, and 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 they they now just feed it experience, but they don't really understand the decisions it's making. <laughs> um, and so so even the guys and girls that are writing the code don't know how it all really works. Well, I mean, that's the that's the question. If if we get artificial intelligence, are we going to recognize that it is actually artificial intelligence? If it's good enough, I don't think we. Yeah, will. exactly. It's going to be going to be pervasive and just leave. Yeah. So and then that can solve good problems, though, right? Because there are, um, you know, from it's not an economic issue, but it's more of a, I think, just a human issue. There are a lot of really lonely people in the world. Um, you know, whether it's elderly people who are kind of at home, and and it's not such a far stretch to take products like maybe the Amazon Echo. Right. And, and imagine that having some artificial intelligence baked into it and being conversational with people to the point where somebody who was at home and lonely now feels like they've got a friend. Um, so that's that's an interesting point. So how do we stop? And I've been thinking about this as well. How do we stop uh, or where do we stop it when we use that sort of technology? So think about our kids right now. I don't know if your kids are using the iPads that actively. Uh, but it's hard enough to get them off the damn iPads. And I could just imagine an immersive world in which they, they exist 24-7 and what that's going to do to their brains uh, on that front. So what do you think is going is the solution to reduce uh, preventing us from turning into like just a bunch of 
just a, a bunch of corpses in our beds, just <laughs> staring into staring at Facebook all day with our with our by moving our eyelids. Yeah, well, you, you know, you, you if you got you got kids, so you've probably seen that movie um, about the little the little alien robot that that goes and and um, and saves the uh, Echo is what it's called, okay. uh, uh, Earth to Echo or something like that. It's it's a, it's a story about uh, this the Earth, the America uh, the the. The planet Earth has destroyed itself, and and we've all gotten on a big spaceship, and 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 we're we're driving around the galaxy trying to find a new a new home. Huh. Uh, but the the virtual reality and and all of that has gotten so good that the the human beings become these just big fat blobs that sit in chairs, and their their bones have gotten weak, and they can't walk, and. Um, I feel like it's, I feel like that's I feel like Wally is probably Wally. That's what it's Wally. Yes. Earth Echo. Earth Echo didn't work out really well. I think it was like a it's like a forty nine on the tomato meter here. Yeah. No. So Wally. You're Wally. Right. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but there's that scene where all of a sudden yeah, yeah, the power exactly. turns off and they all get out of their chairs and discover each other. Um, man, I don't know. How do you? I mean, I, I I wish I knew the answer. How do you fix that? Because you know, my children do absolutely spend a lot of time on the screen. Um, and, and, you know, me and, and their mother spent a lot of time saying, go outside, climb a tree, uh, you know, do something real and tangible. And, um, I, I think a lot of that's just going to depend upon how, I, th- I think the question becomes, is that really, do we decide that, that the screens are actually okay at some point in time is virtual reality so good that, Going outside isn't better than virtual reality, you know. If you're getting exercise, yeah, that's the question. I don't know. Huh? Yeah. So I mean, I guess the, I guess the, I guess that's the your, that's our next, uh, your next startup. You got to build something that's going to keep people from, from melting into their, into their chairs. <laughs> there was a, there was a great photo that came out of uh, South by Southwest uh, that was making the rounds on the internet, and it was a, uh, uh, a virtual reality demo. And it was a picture of a guy with this virtual reality headset on his head. And he uh, was on a real bicycle that had the back wheel lifted up so it wouldn't yep. go anywhere. And there was a guy holding a fan in front of his face to create the sensation of wind. <laughs> and, and the caption was just effing go outside already. <laughs> so I guess so I guess the solution there is to is to make it. Well, I I can't if if you're in a if you're in a major city if you're in a Japan or if you're in a Tokyo or if you're in a New York, uh, you you don't have enough room for a VR area. So I can imagine like you're out in Austin, so probably you have a nice sprawling uh, sprawling homestead where you grow your pecans and everything. Uh, <laughs> so I can imagine that there might be room for maybe a VR area, but as it stands right, right now, VR unless we sit in front of our computers with our hands inside the gloves and the and the goggles on and don't move. Uh, it's really not conducive, but the real the real fun is actually moving around inside of a game world, which is massively realistic. Yeah, uh, indeed, indeed. I, and I had a, a very good friend of a friend of mine who's doing VR content production, um, and and you know, going forward, and probably a conversation for another day. You know, we we were questioning where will games end, and where will movies begin, and what does a story look like if that story can be viewed from different angles. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. All right. Very cool. So where can people find out, uh, more about what you're working on? 
So you can visit televero.com, T-E-L-E-V-E-R-O.com. And, uh, you know, if anybody involved in healthcare is trying to change their outcomes, we'd be happy to help. Um, and, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Arlo Gilbert. All right. Thank you very much, Arlo. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.